Maher, are you ready? Yes, I am. What's that writing, by the way? Man, this shirt, actually, I borrowed it from my cousin. It says Elon Musk, thinking of quitting my jobs and becoming an influencer full-time. What do you think? I think it would suit him. <laughs> La, I think it would 100% yes, yeah. suit, especially Elon Musk. Potentially, I am but at a later stage. So, so guys, thank you very much for joining this episode. We're very excited and I'm happy and also sad to say this is the last episode of season one. Nonetheless, big things are coming and I would like to take the chance to thank, thank all of the people that supported us. We're going to get to that at the end of the episode. So please stay tuned because we might give a bit of spoilers for season two. But for the moment, I want to focus on a very special guest that we have today. Our guest was a former basketball player, uh, TV, first female sports TV presenter in Lebanon. Uh, she's also a TV host on, uh, the, and uh, I forgot the name. <laughs> Victorious, I think. Victorious, 100%. Yeah. Victorious, it's a football competition. And currently, she's a TV presenter for WWE Arena. She has done it all, in other words. She has done it all. Amazing <laughs> adventure. Miss Natalie Mamo, welcome. Thank you, guys. I'm very happy to doing? be here. I'm very good. How are you? I mean, I'm doing amazing. Uh, again, you have a fantastic career. I'm looking forward for you to share the insights that you have with our viewers. I want to leave the floor to you. Maybe just tell us a bit about yourself and... Uh, or we can guide you, whatever you well, Whatever prefer. you want. I can introduce myself or if you have go questions, ahead, please, go ahead. Please. I would like to leave the floor to you first. Well, I mean, you said a lot of what I've <laughs> done already in my life, but I, I cannot go back to mentioning that it all started on court. I was a basketball player and this is where it all started. Um, I was 11 years old when I first played in first division and I was the youngest back then. I joined the national team at the age of 13. Uh, I come from a family where... Sports and basketball are all we live for. My grandfather was a basketball player and then part of the national team. Then it was my dad. And then, then it was me. I grew up in, right next to a club called Kahraba. And I remember I used to, I was the only girl among hundreds of boys and there was no other girls. So I was shy to just play basketball in front of them. So I used to watch what they do, had the keys to the club, <laughs> go at 7 a.m. in the morning and just imitate everything they used to do. Well, 7 a.m., that's good. And then I started practicing with the boys um, any hour of the day. Whenever I had a place, I used to just play with them. And I remember when the coach wanted to form the first women's team, I'm like, I don't want to play with the girls. I just want to stay playing with the boys. And this is how I just played at a better level. This is why at 11 years old, I was able to just play in first division. So going back to how it all started, by 13, I was playing for the national team. And... I was so lucky to be playing with one of the best teams ever formed as a national team or even with the teams and we won everything possible. So I used to go on TV a lot as a guest mm -hmm. until I was approached by MTV and they asked me to be the first woman to present sports in Lebanon. And back then I barely spoke Arabic. <laughs> really, I would never forget that I didn't even know how to type Arabic and I had to write my own news. So I rejected the offer, but they insisted so much and I said yes. By really, you know, when you, you get a job offer and then you say, even if you don't know how to do it, just say yes. And yeah. you learn. You improvise. <laughs> yeah. So this is exactly what happened. And things just escalated from that moment on. I was the first female to present sports on MTV. I was the first to move to Sky News after that. I hosted the biggest show ever produced, which was a TV reality show. I was the first woman to host the Globe Soccer, first Arab 
the woman to host the Globe Soccer Awards, first woman to ever host a WWE show in the region, first woman to win Sports Media Personality of the Year. I am uh, very honored to have broken so many barriers for women in sports. And um, eventually, I, no matter where I reach, I will always go back to where it of started, course. which was on court. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure you're an inspiration to many, many women out there. Like even to us ourselves, like, like what you have accomplished is, is amazing. And uh, as you can see, there's a lot to tackle today. Yeah. There's a lot to tackle. I don't know if we reminded them to like and subscribe. Did you? Uh, no, we didn't. But they must know by they now, They must guys, know by because now. Because 80% of the people that are watching are not subscribed. So please just press the subscribe button. You would do us a big favor. Um, it's really interesting, as Walid mentioned, and you were the first to do so many stuff. But I want to talk a little bit about your basketball days. So uh, obviously you grew up in a like house which was like all about sports, basketball, football, maybe like so many sports. Um, did you feel the pressure when you wanted to pursue becoming like a basketball player, or was it like a passion you had ever since you were born? Because like as I mentioned, you were like surrounded by these basketball fans, basketball uh, like Just, you know environment. Yeah, you know, I was I was never pressured by by my father or my family to to play basketball. I just grew up in a family where. Basketball was always in the background. I live next to a basketball club. I think I inherited love for basketball. I inherited the talent as well. Mm -hmm. So, and it grew, just, it just keeps, kept on growing and growing. I remember when I first signed my first basketball contract at the age of 11, I remember my mom saying that if this is ever going to affect your grades at school, we're talking <laughs> basketball. Mm -hmm. And back then I was just an average student. And I remember from that moment on until I graduated from AB from university, I graduated first from my high school, wow. from first with high distinction from AUB. I just wanted to perfect everything just because I wanted to protect mm -hmm. my basketball on the, on the side. And a lot of people think that my father played the role because he used to be part of the federation. And I remember very well when I was 13 and I was asked to join the national team because there was like list and then you go for tryouts and then they choose. I remember my dad asking the coach not to pick me on the team. Because he doesn't, he didn't want them to think that it's because I'm his daughter. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, I was upset with him at that time, but, <laughs> but I was chosen and I made it, I remember very well, I made it to the national team and I played ever since for the next 12 years until, until I retired. Wow. And do you think it's like hard to improve and like develop as a woman in the Arab country as a basketball player? Like, what do you think are like the main challenges? that for example let's talk on a small scale in lebanon like maybe in terms of the facilities or maybe in terms of like the things we inherit such as Man, especially uh, in lebanon being, yeah exactly I, I believe, an athlete. like well, exactly what you're saying like i think they focus much more on men that that's what was, yeah, yeah. like they put the resources there yeah so what were like the main challenges that you i do faced? i do agree back um, i mean back then it was the focus was much more on the men and yeah and the national teams were not always formed, especially for the underage, because, you know, it all starts with the youngsters, for the national mm -hmm. teams when you're 12, 16, under 18, and then so on. So I was lucky that during that era, they were a bit focusing on the under 18 national team because the team that won after, because we were undefeated for mm -hmm. quite some time, we played together since we were kids. I was always the youngest by far, but we stayed together. And then yeah. we were undefeated for... For more than 10 years in the Arab world, we won the Arab championship so many times in, as a national team and as a clubs, like with the clubs. Mm. We were the first team to go from Division B to Division A in Asia. Um, 
so yeah but of course i i i have to admit that the te sports technology and mentality in lebanon has changed a lot from from back then and the way i see the girls training today is so much different than before without even forgetting that we never never had like foreigner players in the league mm-hmm. and which brings the level to a different level when you play and with other like american players or or any other european player on your team we were not bro- broadcasted on tv one of the games per per, per year where it was broadcasted Instagram was not there so the exposure was also Definitely. not there but a lot has changed and i see more focus on women right now uh the the federation of course there's a big difference between men and women but the federation is is putting a bit more effort into forming the national team again supporting them taking them like on camps and everything but there is there is a long way so. but do you think it's it's fair that uh there's this let's say discrimination discrimination yeah, especially because like, like we live in the arab world and like know, there's this it, stigma. i know but we took it on a small scale but if you take it on a bigger bigger scale like women nba you know yes, nba it is it is a big difference in everything the only thing that's fair out there in the world is the tennis world this is the only tennis. place where a woman and a guy are paid the same amount of money when they win championship and yeah i'm talking about the grand slams other than that the difference between salaries and everything else is huge between the women's league or an but it's justified no excuse me it it's is justified, justified of course because of sponsors viewers <laughs> definitely definitely of like course. You, you we get they need to get the attention you know first of all which they are the it's very competitive uh, at the end of the day but there's still like there's world cup for men world cup for women for sure then for you sure. can see the I, I agree it viewers. is i wouldn't say it is justifiable because it's like unfair to say that <laughs> But I do understand where it's coming from, especially from the business side. Of if sports. you look at it from the business side, at the from, end of the day, it's who's bringing in the money. Yes, it's the sponsors, I agree. the viewers, and the sponsors. So there's just they just go to where that comes from. But you, there are ways to make people love as well women's sports around the world, and of eventually course. make like push it, push it to higher levels. I definitely. Agree. Well, speaking of tennis, like I'm thinking about it. Maybe it's the first time I ever know about this fact yes. that this uh, is a very uh, interesting fact. Yeah, like every time we're doing a podcast, every time we're doing episode, we're learning stuff that are <laughs> new, and sometimes we like take some moments to digest <laughs> what we're learning while we're having this combo. Uh, but my next, I would say, question is like, you said education, you tackled that. Uh, how did you manage your time with education, especially that you? You became an honor student. You said yes, I was as an honor student. You were so scared of getting bad bad grades, and your mom tells you don't don't go to yes. basketball anymore. I sacrificed so much, honestly, during my school days, and then during my university days, I had basketball as a priority and my education. And you had to say a lot of no's to so many things, no to so many outings, no to so many things where I didn't even enjoy my UB days because I used to play for the UB team, for the, my club, for the under 18 national team and for the national team at the same time. And I remember that I used to have to travel with the national team during the midterms and the finals period. So I used to go to my professors and take permission to travel and I had to do all my exams in like one day. So I had to either be studying while on a trip with the national team. And I remember like the team had a curfew at 10. I used to stay up and, and study like midnight. And then wow. when we... When the team had to wake up at like eight, nine, I had to wake up at six and continue studying because I was still much younger than all the girls. I was still in university. Even before that, at some point, I remember I used to play for, for Hekme or Sages and we were playing the Arab championship and I was still in school. I remember my mom picking me up at 12 to go practice with the team, finish, come back to school, finish school, finish again and go practice again no. with the team. 
and yeah so that was that was basically my life it was just basketball and studying. but it's good to, uh, you had a supportive and, and mom I used, to take you and bring yeah you. my mom was my number one fan and like she never missed a single practice she never missed a single game she was the one dropping me every single day of my life to practice until i was 18 and that, this is something i i come from a, a family who supported me so much even my grandmother never missed the game uh so this i think i love that i have a very cool grandmother like, uh, really. love to meet her she, hopefully she's watching yeah this. she's definitely watching let her watch this she doesn't she would definitely watch it trust me if she's already seen it on instagram because she's also on instagram so, <laughs> I, I, I need to put my grandmother as well yeah so um i was lucky to have them support me through it through it all amazing but during uh like you had lots of success 65 titles on a local national international level what was the key success factor me you my determination Amazing. and 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 i i really wanted to make it i wanted to be one of the best i and it was not like because i was challenging anyone i was like in my mind just wanting to challenge myself every day and uh I, I really, and I was lucky, honestly, and this is something because it's a basketball game. We're not playing tennis. We're not playing an individual sport. I was, I happened to be playing during a time where I believe we were the best combination of players who played together because definitely we, we just, as I told you, we want everything possible, everything possible. An Arab team back then could win. So it's a lot of these things. And we were together, like sacrificing so much, giving from our own time. We were not even paid back then well to play basketball. When you play for the national team, you know, it's just you play because you're just wearing the jersey and you're putting the flag here. So you just sacrifice your summer, you sacrifice your time, you you, you don't see your friends, you don't see your family at times. And yeah. do you regret any of it? A Not bit? at all. I'll just go back and do, I'll do it all over again Oof. because it just shaped me into becoming the person I am. And I always say that even if you don't make it as a basketball player, even if you don't become a champion, a champion is is not if you win a cup or you have a medal around your neck. A champion is how you live your life on every single day. So this discipline, this game has given me. I just took it with me in life, and this is why I achieved everything else. Mm. It's actually funny, Walid. I you were asking her if she regretted it. I know my next question was, and we were talking a lot about like sacrificing and dedicating yeah. your life to the sport. But sometimes, like we all have these like moments that we kind of like question ourselves or like have double thoughts on on whether we want to stop is it Maybe worth that's, it yeah is it worth <laughs> it these days these dark days how did you manage to like overcome these days and what was the end goal you have put for yourself to like say okay no i'm gonna continue to do what i'm doing and there's nothing stopping like was not never an option for me giving up was not even an option i remember i mean my boyfriends were, were always jealous from basketball. Yeah, I want to know how they were. Know? They were always jealous that, that, from basketball. That's like the priority street. I want to know. <laughs> from my coach, from my teammates, and even my friends. Like, I always remember, you know, it's okay. I'm like, I can't. It's not, it doesn't go this way. She's like, it's just one practice. No, it's not one practice. If every one of us is just going to say that. That's a Kobe Bryant mentality. Man. Yeah, I'm that's the mentality. mentality. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just giving up was really never mm. never there never an option but i do admit that there is a point in my life after like after years and years you get to a point in your life and you look back and ask did i miss out on things that i wanted to do and i couldn't and this is when i wouldn't say the passion just changes but this is when you start this is when you're close to the end this is where you start thinking 
am I, is it time for me to retire? Is it time for me to focus on my career? Is it time for me to go on my personal life and mm -hmm. my, and my future? And I think this is what happened at some point in my life when I retired mm -hmm. and I moved to Dubai. It was back then for two reasons. Love was first one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and two was best career. And I, I don't regret it because I stopped at a perfect time where I had won everything I wanted to win. Mm. And I lived the best years any player could wish for. And I took from this game everything I could properly dream of. Did, did it impact any relationship you might have? No, like, did, did, it, did it deteriorate any friendship? It never deteriorated friendships. They were also supportive. They just couldn't understand my dedication to this game. Mm. With my boyfriends, they had to know basketball come first. You can't accept it. I can't be with you. Yeah. So because they were, it's they were just always like there watching. So that was the only yeah. way I could just like I, I I appreciated it. It made me like get closer to them because it's a big part of my life. So amazing. Yeah, I'm sure Kamena, you went through a lot of unforgettable memories during your career in basketball. I did. I you did. did happy ones and sad ones. Definitely. But can be sad ones. I'll, I'll, yes, that'd be a very sad one. Sad. I would like to hear like maybe one happy one, like what was one of the career highlights and, a, and another one that highlights like once you felt a real heartache. I'm going to start with the good ones. Yeah, uh, good news first. <laughs> I mean, I, I was blessed to live a lot of beautiful memories on court because we won so many won things. So many. We won so many buzzer beater games and championships and these sort of things I don't, nice. I don't forget. I never forget my first national love. Uh, game I was playing for the first time for the national team and I was 13 years old I remember I it was against Palestine and we were in sports city in Lebanon I played 21 minutes and I scored 21 points wow and I remember there was a group of kids uh watching and they thought I was the star of the of the team and back then I was I was not I was the youngest <laughs> so the game after was a tough one and I wasn't playing so they didn't like it so he there was a kid who just runs to me and he's like What's your name? I'm like, I'm Natalie. And then he goes back, he runs back up, and then they start cheering. It was so funny. I still remember it. It's in Arabic saying, La unique Gina, Natalie, la big Gina, something like that. Uh, <laughs> and then, I love and how then, creative they And are. then the coach called, called for a change, you know, like he put me in. Yeah. I remember this. It's just nice to see when, when people like you as a player and they ask for pictures when you used to travel. Okay. I remember. Um, uh, like really we went to to different places in Algeria, Morocco and then because you end up winning then everybody wants to take pictures with you and stuff like that. Back then it was something because now I I I experienced this because I'm on TV, but back then it meant much more because how how do you know me? Why do you want to take a picture mm -hmm. with me? So, yeah, um the big heartache of my career was was the end because uh I never got to to really say goodbye to the game. I really remember my last my last game was not supposed to be my last game because we were playing in a season where we had the chance to win the championship and we were playing the first game of the final. It was three out of five. And I, I was the captain of, of Riyadh back then and there was a problem with the men's team and the federation. Mm -hmm. And they decided to withdraw back then, the men's the team. The men's team. And we were in the middle of the game. It was the first quarter, six minutes after the first quarter. I remember the coach calling for a timeout. And he asked us to withdraw. Wow. Just to stand. That's, that's so Yes. And I remember. It's in the final. No, I remember going to the, to the lockers room and I 
I cried my heart out, but they couldn't understand because I knew back then that I had signed my contract with Sky News and I knew and that... And they did not know. No, I knew that was my last game. But and they did not know. No, the team it. didn't know. No, I Oof. hadn't like... Oof. And that was it. That was really the last time I, I wore a jersey. That is wow. a big heartache too, to, to be yeah. honest. Uh, you're speaking about like you are on TV actually and I just had this question like cross my mind. How does it feel to be sitting on the other end of the interview today? <laughs> <laughs> It is how it started. It's because I was interviewed and then they asked me to go on, on, on camera as a presenter. And I remember I'm like, no, no, there's no way. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm shy as a person. Used to be, maybe not much anymore. <laughs> and I don't speak Arabic. And I remember they insisted. And when I said yes, and I learned that I have to write my own news in Arabic, mm-hmm. I had to be live at eight in the morning. I remember waking up at two in the morning. Just because I wanted to find Alba with that. You would wake up at two? At two. At what time do you sleep? Trust me, I used to go to bed like a, like a student just because I was nervous. It was my first. No, no, no. At like 11. I barely slept. You slept at 11. It took me ages. Yeah, yeah. It used to take me ages. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then at some point in my, for quite a lot of like a long four or five years, I had to wake up at five in the morning to go to, to the newsroom. Well, it's fine if you wake up early, but so. وين وين النوم؟ هلا اول مره طلعت على الهواء ما كان همي نام ما كان همي كيف اكتب الفاء والتاء والباء ريلي اي كودنت رايت اون ذا كيبورد اند اتس جست فاني بيكوز ا مانث ليتر اي واز جست تايبنج ان ارابيك سو كويكلي اند ذن يو فرنش ادجيكيتد؟ يس فرنش ادجيكيتد اي سي نو جيرمان اي سبيك جيرمان از ويل جيرمان از ويل هلا واصلين واصلين That was very interesting. So yeah, and then I I remember first time I went on air. It's addictive. It's addictive. Really, you get off air and and you just want more. What's the more, next? Yeah, you want more. You want to. We want to go back on air. You want to do more. And this is yeah. what just took me to play. To be honest, I like. يعني انا احنا هون على البودكاست اي ريلي لاف بينج انت دايما كنت تقول لي انت وقت نزلت على لبنان هي واز لايك اخ اي ميس شوتينج يلا وي هاف تو شوت وي هاف تو شوت اسبيشلي وين يو فايند انه لا ذا ثينج يو اكشلي لايك بيرسوينج از سمثينج يو وونت تو دو اتس نوت لايك ا وان اور تو تايم ثينج اند ذاتس اكزاكتلي وات هابند ويز يو ان يور ايرلي دايز لا فيري جود جست اي وونت تو سي وان مور ثينج اباوت باسكت بول لانه اي منشن اند اوبفيسلي لايك ذا باشن از بيرنج اوت اوف يو وين يو سبيك اباوت باسكت بول ان جنرال اند لايك As Walid asked you, you know, there are good things that happen to you, bad things, and we're talking about the good things. And I feel like you want others to experience these good things. And which leads to my next question. And that is, do you have like any plans to like help women grow in at least maybe the Dubai region or Lebanon, the Lebanese region in terms of like basketball career wise? Of course, I, I always say that um, this game made me who I am. And at some point in my life, I have to pay it forward. <laughs> So now is the time, yes. And I do definitely have a lot of plans to do that in the region and, and beyond. I don't know if I'm ready to say the, all, all the plans I have, but I do have Exclusive a plan. from Hartig. I do have plans. <laughs> not ready, not ready. But yes, of course, uh, uh, of course, there will be stuff done off camera and mm. just for to, to take uh, the basketball. Uh, Amazing. Not league, the basketball level here in the region to the next. Yeah, level. definitely. Perfect. Now, we've talked a lot about basketball. I'd like to move on. Yes. <laughs> TV presenter, the first woman sports TV presenter in Lebanon. You mentioned that you were on MTV, yes. correct? Uh, and you kind of mentioned some of the challenges of like learning Arabic and uh, like getting used to be in front of the camera. 
But what did you do, you know, to ease those challenges, let's say? And how this, did you, like, how long did it take you to fully be comfortable? It didn't take long, honestly. I don't know what's the thing about the camera that once you're on it, you're just, <laughs> you're just a different person. And until today, a lot of my friends see me on camera and they're like, you're a different person, you're a on, different camera. person on camera. <laughs> that was not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge of being the first woman to present sports in Lebanon was actually being a woman. Um, yeah. Because oh. people, the mentality back then, they were not used to seeing women talk about sports. They would definitely think she's just reading a script. So yeah. to win the credibility of your viewers was the biggest challenge, actually. And, and you have a very short time frame once you're on air to either win the, to either win the crowd or let them just up. And that was, that was my challenge. And I think I, I, my, my weakness became my strength because my weakness was my language. And I was the type who used to go on camera and say Roland Garros with a complete French accent, then say Bastien Schweinsteiger with a complete German accent, then go on and say... Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers with the American accent and they just loved it and it became my identity until today and uh, this is how I, I got what to was the first word you said Roland Garros Roland Garros yeah. oh. Tour de France Roland Garros Roland Garros is one of the Grand Slams in okay, the okay 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 yeah. cool oh, okay yeah, definitely so you, you <laughs> used it to your lever uh, I you mean, leveraged the language. yeah and they they loved it people recognized me from this you know and it's, uh, it became a joke in some of the you know back then when she shows say hello I didn't mind it and today it's because of my languages that I, I got to where I did as well and I just turned everything to my advantage Oh, amazing. Hello, you talk about languages. I'm not going language. I'm going to ask you about Arabic. 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 step up the and game to, at an early stage and I to think. potentially improve their skills as well no, yeah. the first thing I say is just don't be fooled by fame this is the biggest mistake everybody wants to be on TV because they want to become famous and life on TV is life in this field is not is not always like as easy flowers as projected and Definitely there's so much you go through so many sacrifices mm. so many times you just want to wake up and say I don't want to do this anymore I want to do something else so This is my first advice and always remember that this camera can make you a big star and this camera can forget you the next day. So it, it's a click. Just like they make you the up, it can make you just fall really, really fast. So it's a big process. They have to look forward to the journey and then just the fact that you just want to go on camera and become famous. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm. Uh, there's also this problem sometimes, let's say, uh, like you have to be on TV a lot. Like you, you're obviously... Uh, Golden Globe, uh, TV host, uh, podcast, whatever. So, so <laughs> on TV a lot. But sometimes you face situations potentially you don't feel too well. Maybe Sarshima. No, of course. It's Sarshima, like emotionally, potentially emotionally, physically. I know. But you need to be there. How do, how do you present, like at least in a show, you know, like you're 100% as if you, know, you have to do your job, but sometimes, and as well, this thing. You know, no, I always say behind the presenter, there's, there's a human and people tend to forget this because exactly they watch a person just smiling all the time, owning it, uh, just walking to the screen. And there are so many days where we wake up sick, heartbroken, having a heartache. I don't feel like getting out of bed. And you all have to do is get up, get in your suit, 
wear your makeup, wear your biggest smile, get on camera and smile. And it's like you're not allowed to be human. Yes, you must be mentally strong to do that. You have to definitely mentally be strong. Hide the basket. And Hide the basket. Hide the basket. Akid, of course, but not every, every presenter was was a basketball player. But I see it in all presenters, and the presenter in you grows every time you go on air. It just grows a certain responsibility towards you it's not like you can miss a day at work and ask for a sick sick leave it doesn't go this way there's a grid there's air time you're booked and it's not like somebody can come and cover so i i've experienced this around me and and we all go through these days when we're Mm. not doing well you're not in your heart you're not doing well because of so many things you're going through Mm. but you just have to get out there whether you're on stage hosting a big uh, event or ceremony, whether you're live on camera, whether you have to stand in your heels for six hours filming a show or an episode of The Victorious, sometimes you just have to suck it in and just live mm. with it. Yeah. Definitely. Walid, you mentioned a very interesting link who, you know, maybe of basketball, you were, you were used to handle like the pressure yes. and like audience watching you and like to make like, I, I don't want to say, precision moves like on the spot <laughs> like you know like when to act or for example if you want to translate it to a basketball example you don't want to pass or when to take the right shot so it's all about like precision yeah. do you think that helped you a lot when uh, it did tra- help me with the lives and i remember when i moved to sky news i used to the one the sports bulletin was long yeah and uh, you were live and you were put sometimes in situations where you are interrupted and you have to go live to something else or you have to improvise or and this has never happened in MTV. Yeah. So you have to be quick, but quick. Uh, very quick. And you have to be like alert. You have to know about everything about sports. Like you'd be on air and they'll tell you, Alex Ferguson just decided that he's retiring. And <laughs> you have to go live yeah. on air for five minutes talking about Alex Ferguson. But had you not read about it the past two weeks, you don't know what to say. Mm. Or for example, we're going live with the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Alert. Then you have to know how to, uh, what they call is ad lib is when you put just uh, uh, footage and then mm. you have to talk on top. Okay. So all these things, I think basketball has like, I took the discipline or the whatever. It I planted some roots that you planted, leveraged. Yeah, a certain certain qualities in the person I am, and I applied it. I applied it in my job. Uh, regarding your job, I know you presented the soccer globe award to Cristiano Ronaldo. No, I'll tell you what is that. It's called the Globe Soccer Awards, globe which soccer is awards. The, one of the biggest uh, award ceremonies in, the, in, in football. So there you have the FIFA Best and you have the Ballon d'Or and you have the Globe Soccer Awards. And I was, I was chosen to be the first Arab to ever host this. And I was lucky to host it for four years in a row where I, I got to meet Cristiano for three years wow. ago. Wow, Saraha Anna, my biggest, one of my yeah, biggest I, I was Cristiano. I was a Messi fan, but I can't You're deny. You're a Messi fan? I still am a Messi fan. But he's a nice guy. Ronaldo, Ronaldo, he is, amazing. he is a very nice. He has this, uh, like, you can't, his charm is, is like, he, yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's, especially he, and you his were confidence. Cold, uh, when you were no, cold, this incident. <laughs> she was cold when she was giving the award. This incident went viral, yeah. I remember. Yes, I was hosting the Globe Soccer Awards. It was COVID times and uh, it was happening under the Burj Khalifa. And then you, there, you know, there's the fountain. It was 17 degrees and I was wearing this, this dress where my back was entirely showing and it was so cold. I was freezing. And every 15 minutes, the, the fountain was coming out and, and uh, there were just water coming on me. So I was literally freezing. And he could see that Cristiano was on the first row and I could see him smiling. It's as if he was making fun of me, you know, like there was this contact. And I could feel like he can see that I'm, I'm freezing. And then it was time for him to get on stage and get his award. And during his speech, he's like, 
I hope next year you're going to do this <laughs> in a warmer place because this lady here is freezing. And in 24 hours, this comment went viral all over the world. Even in Madrid, they started saying Georgina is jealous of this lady. And like she was there. She was watching. And none of this is true, but they just want to write. You know how they love tabloids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In Ethiopia, there was, there were, I I swear, I swear. And I just gathered them. I kept them as a souvenir. It was, it was a nice moment, honestly. Did you have a chance to like have a conversation with him or no? A bit after, but you know, with, with him, fast, uh, they yeah. just keep it's on uh, taking yeah, him yeah. from one place to another. Yeah. But, uh, he's, he's a nice, I, I, I respect him a lot because he does a lot of good and him as a person and how he lives and represents sports is, He's a true champion on and off court. Like he's, he's, he's not acting. He's the goat. I don't know. <laughs> yes. He's the goat. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's do this fan. off camera. But I don't know. <laughs> No, just for the record, I'm a big Ronaldo fan, but I think Messi is like on a different level, honestly. I agree with him. Well, they're on camera, off camera, so he's a Ronaldo fan, so he wants to. We can agree to disagree. Deal. And speaking of iconic moments, like obviously you've met Cristiano Ronaldo, and you've met so many Maradona other players. Maradona, so many other, yes. Henry, Figo, Ronaldinho, the list goes on. What are some iconic moments you can share with us, regardless whether they happened like off camera, like? Uh, do you have like some funny incidents as the one you mentioned about Ronaldo? I had some, uh, it's, a, it's a moment I would never forget that I, I freestyled with Diego Maradona. With I Diego Maradona, you yeah, freestyled. Yeah, I freestyled because you know, I do, I, I'm good with the basketball. Like I flip it around my finger and my body. So I, I know how to do some of these tricks. Nice. And he was just in front of me. So I was doing this stuff and then he was doing stuff with his feet, with the ball. Then we exchanged some headers. Not that I'm a good football player, but. I don't know how it happened that I was able to do like six, seven exchanges with, the, with my head. And um, so, yeah, I had good times with Diego Maradona because we were filming the victorious and, and he was part of the jury. And I remember we were filming the final. I was wearing this one piece where also, also my back was showing and we started filming. It was 16 cameras live. It was live on tape. It wasn't live on TV. And you know how everybody's focused at the final. We're going on air three, two, one. We're on stage. I had my coach there and then. I get on stage and I and I hear someone like you know you know how they whistle with yeah. their fingers. He stops the whole thing. He stands up. He holds me and he starts dancing me on stage in front of the entire <laughs> Diego Maradona. Diego Maradona <laughs> and the crowd. And I'm like, oh my god. He just lo- he loved women. It was no. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, it was no. And we had this language barrier because he didn't speak English. Didn't speak English. No, no, no. It was like. It was hard to communicate. It was like, are you good? Me good? You good? Like stuff like that. But yeah, only the we, others. Yes. We just yeah. had this moment. And I had a lot of these moments as well with other players because they're, they're people. They're human. By yeah, so you sit with them. Yeah, definitely. You talk about their families, about their kids, what they mm. do in their life. I also remember a moment that happened with Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho. He, he took a selfie with me. Yeah, from his phone. So he took a selfie with yes, you. Yes, Ronaldinho yes. Took no, a no, because I was I was taking a selfie with him, and then he's ah, like, okay, okay, he's okay, like, okay, we okay, had okay. a break, and then he took a selfie. He posted it on his Instagram. Wow. And then in Brazil, I became the new girlfriend. The new girlfriend of Ronaldinho. <laughs> the new girlfriend, <laughs> and there were articles taking like my pictures from Instagram and like saying like uh, we introduce you to the new girlfriend of Ronaldinho, and even you know how they do these. Five minute videos about the life of a football player. Yeah, yeah. You can find it. And at some point they say that uh, he had times where he was not very uh, disciplined. And then he was partying. He met a lot of women. And then 
there's my picture with him. Like when did you find out like after a while? Like this it, happened a year after, but oh. the the selfie happened uh, on, the spot. on the spot. It was yeah. supposed to, it was a good thing for me. It's just, it's, but <laughs> I'm not the girlfriend. I'm just the, the <laughs> stuff you cannot control. Like, like, like you said, like people and TV reporters, whatever. Sometimes they, they just make news for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's, it's good publicity sometimes. It, it's good publicity, but, بس انه زعشت من الموضوع لا it's just it's just ما انزعجت at all no because it doesn't it doesn't harm me in any way it's not true and if I'm asked and it's not like he pretended like he had nothing to do with it so yeah one of the one of the mornings I will never forget is I woke up with a like from David Beckham with a what? a like on my Instagram picture from David Beckham from David Beckham so I had to screenshot it send it to the girls he never he doesn't follow me but I think it's because He was seeing me in pictures from Michelle Salgado. He's a friend, Luis Figo, yeah, and stuff like that. I don't know how it ended up with him liking the picture, <laughs> which made my day. I'm about to look into Ellie. Why did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I just let it let it go. And do you still like feel the excitement when you meet new football players? Or خلاص it became a norm now. No, I I always feel like I I was never. Asa bad mal taite ma? Si, mala bela si galta mal ta phayite. But I think we're gonna get to that. But uh, yeah, fi Rafael Nadal. He's he's one of those I would love to meet. Um, but yeah, it's always exciting because I would never forget that I was I was somebody who used to buy jerseys. I was somebody who collected paninis during the World Cup. You know these pictures. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm the person handing him the trophy and the Globe Oof. Soccer Awards. I'm the person hosting the show. So it's just. It's humbling and it's it's it beautiful. Is, it is definitely. So I I don't take it for granted. No, I, I don't take it for granted. I mean, meeting all of it's it's some people's dream. Yeah, including mine. Maybe. <laughs> 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 all of this. I try to make one of your dreams come true. Yeah. Please, if you can, I would appreciate it. But also being uh, like talk more about uh, the victorious. Uh, you also like it wasn't all uh, fun and happy times, of course, because. From what I understand, victorious involved you guys going and casting football players yes. from different Arab countries. Yes. So how was that experience? Um, I always say this experience was human as a, a human experience before anything, and I didn't expect it to be this. It was it was harsh. It was not easy because uh, the format was exactly like Star Academy or these TV reality shows where we go on a casting tour and we had to be in a different Arab country every two or three days, and the stuff I've seen. Like how bad some of the players want, or the things they're ready to do to just make it. By the end of the day, it's just one kid out of thousands of of kids that will be cast that was gonna make wow. it win a hundred thousand dollars, win a win a win a contract with one of the teams. So, and then the few that were selected, there were twenty in the academy, and the stuff they lived, where they come from, the struggles they go through, it just. Grows on you, and and you feel like responsible for them. You just want to help them on an individual basis. No longer as like we're not on a show anymore. Mm. It's life. So it did affect me a lot. It did make me grow as a person, as as a sister, as a big sister. Toward I have some of them I'm still in touch with till today. Um, yes, we lived amazing moments on the show. Amazing moments that I can never put in words. I can never even put in pictures. It was just that moment that we lived together. We were filmed twenty four seven. We were. Living ups and downs, we cried a lot, we laughed a lot, we won a lot, we lost a lot. So it was it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I'm just sad this show didn't so see a continuity. And I always hope and wish that there will be another season. Hopefully, hopefully so. Wow. But 
What was one of the, let's say, also one of the toughest moments potentially you faced with uh, potentially one of the players or uh, <laughs> well, like a difficult yes, moment? Yes, it is. Maybe? It is. Uh, this is something I remember from uh, from season one. Uh, I always made it a point because I was I used to play the role of the big sister off camera and sometimes on the show, but I was also the one who used to come in and tell them who the nominees are. And I used to play this role of bad woman where I had to make them cry. I was, I was really like the bad guy. But then I made it a point to go sit. You know, there's this interview room where you sit and listen to the players after. They just talk to the camera. And there was this little kid who was the nominee after the fourth week. And they were asking him, he was nominated. And they were asking him, what would you like to do with $100,000 if you win? And to him, it, I don't think he knew what the hundred thousand dollars because he said I want to build a building and I want to do I don't know what and I want to do I'm like this is not enough you can't do this all this <laughs> and then at some point he said I want to I want to, to I want my dad to, to do a surgery because he doesn't walk and I would like to do that to help him because apparently they're eight at home and he was the wow. youngest he was left at the like his his mother passed away and his uh, brothers and sister got married so he was the one taking care of his dad the entire time helping him eat, shower, walk, taking him from a place to another. And this really just, I don't know, I just couldn't keep it in. So I went mm. to the production and I'm like, guys, please, there are so many people who would just volunteer and help him just make a report, make something, put it during the prime. And a lot of people would just volunteer or they said, okay. And they forgot about it. He was saved, luckily, by the, by the public. He was nominated the week after. He was saved by his players. And then three weeks after, he was also nominated. And I remember so well. They came in and they gave me an envelope. And they said, not this time. Because the envelope meant who, that I'm coming in to say who the nominees are. But during the prime, they said, not this time. It's not you who's going to read the envelope. It's Bender. His name was Bender. I will never forget. So they played this report that was so emotional. Already everybody was crying from the report. And you know, there was this music where his brother comes in. Wow. A brother who he had not seen. Yeah, it's very emotional. I was already crying. <laughs> and the camera <laughs> was just following me with the envelope. I had no idea what's, what's written in there. But I don't know why I decided to read what's in there why while I'm on the way. Mm -hmm. And it says, The Victorious سيتبرع بإجراء العملية إلى والده. Wow, wow. And I was, oh. I was in tears. خلص. I was crying. And I could hear the, I could hear them from the gallery saying, Don't cut. Don't cut. And I'm like, Maradona was crying. <laughs> Bender was on the floor. I was crying. And I'm like, no, no, this is way too... It, it, that was the, the episode that was the most beautiful. It was so emotional <laughs> that I felt responsible for Bender for the month, for month and month after the show. So, yeah, these moments are stuff that just make you... Of course. We're human side, very nice of you to, to, to be honest, yani following up with Yeah. It's very cool to me personally, I've been a big fan of WWE. I think most of the people that are watching, as they watch WWE while growing up. Kenneth Ahdar, John Cena, Undertaker. Undertaker, Like at the end of the day, we all know it's not really, and it's all acting, but how are they? 
لا لا فلوس WWE is every single week longest running year. show right doesn't stop no matter what Christmas New Year's it, it's always every Corona. single no, no. it's on t- Monday night and now it's like Friday night Smackdown is Friday Monday is, uh, is Raw and you just want to keep on watching because it's like watching series you don't know what happens what happened this, this, he's, he's like with this guy the next, the next he just fights with him and it's very exciting but it is fixed yes it is fixed by description they don't lie But these superstars train so much. Yes. And the stuff they do yes. is just so hard. That some people no think they're just acting. Yeah, this is definitely true. they're athletes from, from like a very, very, very high of level. Of course. Anna, what, what I meant is that it's fixed. You yeah, know? it is, what it is I fixed. Meant, it's like, uh, what I meant, it's not like UFC. And the result is that he will lose before he will lose game, of course. Is it true or not? how the way they travel from from city to another every single week and the amount of time and some decisions are made on the spot not everything is like a lot of things wow. happen on the spot um but yeah it's 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 amazing really it's it's an amazing empire and i i when i started honestly it's one of those moments where again i said yes and i didn't know anything i didn't know who roman like i could see roman reigns and seth rollins and to me they both <laughs> the same <laughs> they look the same because they both have the long hair and stuff but And they were in the same uh, Yeah, but faction. now um, I think it's, I have five years of archive written in Arabic of WWE. So I really wow. also came a long way when it comes to that. Because when I started, I struggled, honestly. Course, yeah. I struggled. And I remember, one of, <laughs> I remember one moment that happened. I had, it's, it was just only like three weeks for me with the WWE. Mm-hmm. And they sent me to SummerSlam. SummerSlam. And I had the schedule to, like, to interview some of the superstars that I had. You know, when three weeks after starting with WWE, there are, you have 18 names to learn who their characters and what they do. So you don't know them all. And by chance, I was backstage and there was a superstar called R-Truth. R-Truth. Who yes, had, yeah, <laughs> so he had, he had an invisible friend. And I was not supposed to interview R-Truth. And nobody told me. Like, he was not part of the shows before I get there. And like, it was, it was overwhelming. And they're like, hey, yeah, you not interview R-Truth. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I just came up with a couple of questions. So I asked him a question and then he turns around and he starts speaking to somebody. <laughs> and I was on camera know. and I'm like, not please save me from this. So I'm like, I asked him the second question and he just turned around and he just spoke to this invisible thing next to him. And then he's like, why don't you ask my friend the question? after that i called my producer i'm like you can't put me in this position too early like this and but now i just know them all oh, and wow. I, i tell you it's an it's an incredible world that once you're in it you're, it's, it's fun and i'm very honestly i'm very happy that when i was the first woman to i remember my grandmother when i told her i want to i want to i want to move to wwe she was happy but she didn't know how to tell me and then she's like 
بس ناتي هيدي المصارعه مش لنا فكرتني بدي صارعه قلت لها لا انت هوست شو سو اند يو نو ا لوت اوف باريز وير بوكن باي سينج نوت جست نوت جست ذس كز ان سعودي I remember, and it was a moment that really I will never forget in my life. Because we went to Saudi. That now there's a big deal between Saudi and WWE to host WWE shows every every twice a year. And women in Saudi were were it was not no, it was it was not a, it was a no no to see a women's match Diva. in WWE Diva's in Saudi. So it was not announced, and there was they have I think it was Royal Rumble back in, in Saudi. Wow, out of nowhere there was 60,000 people in the stadium wow. the arena and it was not announced and then there was this women's match that happened in the, in, in the arena and I was just watching and by the end of it you can see 60,000 people chanting this is hope this is hope and it was wow. so emotional wow. the, the, the superstars were crying I was in tears It went viral even there, so it became a slogan. This is hope. This is hope, and and it just I'm just so happy to see how many barriers were broken ever since. Wow. Not just in WWE with everything, women in sports in the region, and it's just just beautiful. Of course, and and it's also beautiful also to see like like also KSA is, is opening up more. And yes, more very with, much, with, and with, I'm with just very happy that I was able to to play a role in that, and I was the first woman to do the, this on, on so many levels whether with the WWE with the with the World Cup with globe soccer so yeah this is for me the biggest uh, medal that I wear in, so, in my it's career. an amazing medal uh, yeah. have you met Vince? <laughs> I have from far I've seen him but it's not easy to reach Vince uh, no, it's I really want to know Vince McMahon ah, the, the guy who retired uh, who uh, yes. yeah, I really yeah, want to yeah, know yeah, what yeah. he's like like in real life yeah, on TV <laughs> it's great to see him on TV Best on TV <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, uh, did ever a fight break out in front of you or you're like to have to move no no why don't break out like this out of nowhere they don't, they don't but uh yeah i was lucky to meet a lot of them and they're they're very cool people they're they're amazing athletes they're amazing people and it's just always nice to just sit and discuss life with these with these and like, discuss sports discuss what they go through And a lot of them end up being married together because it's so it's so demanding. They don't have they just from place to another every every time. So yeah, no, no fight, no fight happened next to me. I was never hit by mistake. <laughs> but I I went. I remember there was this show in Abu Dhabi, and we made an entrance, an in-ring entrance, and that was that was cool. Like I mm-hmm. we entered the ring, had to go get on the ro- the ropes, get on the, like they call it to do a promo. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was cool. I mean, there's lots of. Players you met, wrestlers, <laughs> basketball, footballers, Saraha, <laughs> Smalla. Uh, <laughs> something, uh, a very famous guy that we need to mention also, Daruri, Michael Jordan. That's not a guy, that's, that's God. That's, that's God. That's God. Who's the GOAT, Jordan or LeBron? No, Jordan. LeBron. No. You know what? You're going to laugh. I'll tell you the story. Like, in basketball, I think you're more knowledgeable. Yeah, potentially football. No, listen. The But I don't, uh. When you come to talk numbers, stats, LeBron is an overall amazing player. Exactly. It would become debate. Like you would say maybe. But what Michael Jordan did to the game of basketball, where it was and where he took it, no athlete in any sport has done this. No, nobody. I can't name a person who made a change in any sport as big as Michael Jordan did. And maybe Tiger Woods in golf, but Michael Jordan and, and what happened around the world, who doesn't know Michael Jordan? 
Sorry, Natalie. On the goat of football, I agree with you. It's Messi. But for the goat of basketball, I think it's LeBron. But we can keep this debate for another we day. We can keep it. <laughs> yeah, but, but to be honest, she's more of what? a no, no, she's I'm more not of a subject a, no. matter expert. I, I will. Say, I will. Uh, it's, it's, you can, we can talk about this for a long time. And you, have, you can have your points. But what Michael Jordan did to the game of basketball, nobody nobody. To the game of basketball. Yes, yes, the way he took he invented a, a new style of basketball. He made the entire movement around the world. And if you want like in terms of how many games he played compared to how many games LeBron did, his stats also would would, would also be debatable, you know? Mm. But I was lucky to meet both. You met I both. Well, I met both, but I didn't know I met the first because I went to this basketball camp in Santa Barbara and I knew I was going there to meet Michael Jordan. Mm. I was 16 years old. I was I was dreaming. Like, I, mm. I'm going to meet Michael Jordan. And I did. From the first day I saw him there, I'm like, this is Michael Jordan. And he used to come every night, give us lectures about different things. And there was, because we were 600 campers and there was one day uh, where we were supposed to take pictures with him. And uh, I was lucky because were it was a group picture, and I was lucky to be sitting next to him. And uh, you can tell from the picture if you ever see it. Yeah, uh, I think um, it's on your Insta. I just wanted I, I want to hug him, but I don't know how. <laughs> and I was in a camp a week before in Houston. I had lost my shoes. I was a, I was a Nike freak and an Air Jordan freak. I even once like hurt my my hand here, and I have a Nike swoosh. My mom thought I did it on purpose. I did not. <laughs> I did not do it on purpose, but I'm scarred here. Anyway, so I had to buy the new T-Mac and it was an Adidas shoe and it was mm. glowing. It was white. So I was sitting next to him. So I was, I'm wearing Air Jordans, by the way. And he's like, T-Macs, right? <laughs> and I was, I was shivering. Michael Jordan is, and then I'm like, ah, I forgot my shoes in Lebanon, and I, that was very stupid of me to say. But and then I said Lebanon, and then he said Lebanon, right? And and then we started talking for like a minute before the picture was taken. Taken, and then we took the picture, and he looks at me and just like, see you later, okay? See you later. <laughs> and I'm like, when later? So that same day, he gave us a lecture about free throw shots. And during the day, I had won the free throw competition of the entire camp. So we were 600 campers, adding like so many layers of, of players. And he was around the free throw line, telling us about free throw shots and stuff like that. And then he's like, I'm going to shoot three people. And if somebody scores, they're going to take my shoes. And the parents of the players were sitting there. We were 40 players from Lebanon. And he chose the first player. They missed. Second, they missed. Then he's like, you. And Not it was so be. freezing in Santa Barbara. I was cold wearing my hoodie. And I remember, you know, so there was this guy next to me, please take pictures, take I score, I don't score, just take pictures. So I get on the free throw line and I see Michael Jordan, and then he said on the mic, I think she's going to be our first winner for the day. And I will please see, please see, please please see. How old, sorry? I was 16. I was 16. And I missed, I didn't score it. I missed, and everybody was like, oh, like, I wish I could have been there. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, and I run back. I take my camera, did you take pictures? And the guy turns out to be Chinese. ما فهم كلمة من أنا شو قلت له قبل ما أروح وما أخذ ولا صورة. So that was one of the heartaches from. Yes, the biggest heartache was that during those five days, or was it ten? I forgot. 
the one of the coaches during the camp that I used seeing on day and night at uh, he was coaching us like high five day and night was LeBron James not the king himself and he was not drafted yet because everybody he was saying drafted, this guy is going to be drafted. drafted in September we were in August and I'm not me LeBron James me <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James I had Michael Jordan I have a picture and taken from that camera and Michael Jordan and LeBron James I have a picture My, LeBron looks like like a student next to LeBron Alex Jordan so I regret it so much then I never took a picture with LeBron James back then I'm sure you will run into him sometimes but basically you went the summer that LeBron got drafted to the Cavs the first yeah. time and before he signed the 90 million dollar deal with Nike that was exactly like a month before that ah, yeah. on the oh. Yeah, that was not a long صراحة ما بعرف يعني هالكل مع كل هول اللعيبة ما في حدا ما قلني نحن لازم نلعب باسكت بول نحن لازم نلعب تلتنا باسكت بول يلا انستايم whenever you're mentally ready to be beaten by a woman اوف صراحة I accept the challenge with very humbleness انا بالعكس انا I'm down I think يعني you will crush us not me I'm down anytime بس I would still love to to play a game one last venture بدي احكي عنها كمان I think it's the last one, Mawash. Uh, you also developed a course, right? Yeah. On Kona Academy. It's an interesting course. <laughs> I, I wanted to watch it. I watched the trailer. Yeah. Because it does seem super interesting. It's about it's, uh, TV it's funny. It's funny for me to realize that after, I don't know, 2009, today, 15 years, uh, I am developing a course because I always go on air and I apologize to all the journalists because I have never studied this I've never studied this field and I alhamdulillah I made it I'm in no place to teach but all I can do is just share my journey share my challenges share everything I lived here and how I learned how I taught myself how and this is what the course was all about because I wrote it with my own hands I wrote an hour and a half of content and it's where I share how where it started how it started and how I, I got to everything I did and I I'm I'm not the best presenter on i'm not the best akhbar reader i'm not the best i'm not but it's just a combination of so many things that made me made me one of the best and and it's just when you believe in things really nothing is impossible and i was blessed that so many doors opened for me and at the right time and i got those opportunities that i knew how to make use of and so yeah i just put the, all this in, into a course that you can find today on kun academy and Super. Is this funny? I just laugh because <laughs> I would have never thought that one day I'd be you writing in Arabic course, yeah. a course. So you wrote the course? I wrote the course uh, like, in Arabic. Did they approach you or you approached them? They approached them? me to do this master class and they asked me to develop the whole curriculum. 
So they tell you to develop the curriculum. Yes, uh, yeah, they have. You have a choice. They either help you with it or you do it yourself. And there's no way I'd get. And I, I was not reading a script. I was improvising everything. I was just improvising things, and it was not easy at all. I remember. And at some point, I'm like, "Shufa wat hala am." But I, I still don't regret it because it's just like, it's just 15 years of uh, not 15, 13 years of career put into something, and uh, I'm I'm so happy and proud that I've I've done this. Saraha, you should be happy and proud of every single achievement Literally. you did, the uh, personal you. career, Ukamena to level up yani, the, the women in the Arab society because there are lots of role models, uh, role models out there. Uh, but what you have done from TV presenter, basketball player, uh, the globe soccer award Bravo, you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> and and all of these saraha uh yana, i'm humbled to be sitting next to you thank you and, and it means again, a lot to me th- thank you so Same much here it's a pleasure natalie thank you guys so just much. uh before we close it off i just want to AK, to give one advice and simple terms for people who want to like pursue this journey who want to enter the sports field who want to do something like on television what would be like one advice you would give from the bottom of your heart? Honestly, I'd address myself to all the women out there. Um, you can look here if you want. Yeah, no, I, I just say like barriers have been broken. There is a long way still, but a woman can talk sports. A woman can analyze sports. A woman can understand sports. A woman can present sports and whatever you want to do in life. If he can, then she definitely can. Wow. Amazing words, I, I Natalia. She can, she can definitely can. Amazing and words. I believe in, uh, she can even do it better. Thank you. Coming from guys like you. But of course, this is, this is something yani, that, that, that's totally proven. I, there's a country in Africa. I forgot what the country was. It's uh, where wow. they slaughtered like a million men. But anyway, now it's run by women. The country is literally run by women. Who runs nice the world? Huh? Beyonce, Beyonce would be happy. Beyonce would be happy. That's like, right now, the situation is so good. Let's try it in the, in the region. Natalie, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you, guys. That was, that was so much fun. It and, was a pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure to me to be here, sit with you, and have this very easy and friendly talk. Yeah, come in. It's the last episode yes. of season one. So it's also a pleasure to have you on this season. On this season. Uh, I'm happy to 100%. have you the first season. Very special guys. episode. Thank yeah. Very special and amazing woman. But uh, for me now, I would like to have a moment just to tell you thank you all for watching, listening, subscribing, viewing. It's been a hell of a ride. Like Walid has put so much work as well for the podcast. Yourself as well, man. Yeah, Yourself like as well. we helped each other a lot. Um, it's been a like rough ride and a long one because like we were able to like shoot 10 episodes in like two and months we were able to capture the momentum we were on and especially my dam with support so we're gonna be back we're gonna Definitely. be back very soon season two stay tuned and now i'm gonna give the floor to walid yani, you already said lots of lots of amazing things in my head and it's been a fabulous fabulous first season and I really want to thank everyone that motivated us, encouraged us, because we really did not have any experience in podcasting beforehand. And it's a field that's totally new to us. I mean, we always strive 
to bring out the best content for you guys, to bring out amazing guests such as Natalie here. Uh, and, and that's what we want. We want to help you. We want to benefit our viewers. Thank you so much for everyone who subscribed. And as Maher said, season two is going to be bigger. Season two is going to be better. We're going to keep on improving. And what I can assure you is that we're not going to stop. Yeah. So thank you. I hope we see you again in a couple of weeks to a month. Uh, we're getting things ready for you guys to enjoy it better and better. Please, in the comments, leave, and, and this is very important, leave any feedback, any guests you would like us to have. We're always viewer, subscriber driven. We want you guys to benefit. We're enjoying it a lot. And we want you to enjoy it even more. Yeah, and even one thing, Walid, I want to add, like I remember in episode one, I said that we are a podcast that is audience driven. So basically, -driven. whatever you want, we will do. We're here to entertain you. We're here to get guests, such as the one we have right now, to tell you her <laughs> own stories, own experiences. So you guys can learn as well as we can learn like, from the podcast. Because at the end of the day, we're having these convos like today was the first time like Walid talks to Natalie. It was my second time I talked to you. <laughs> so we're like me meeting each other and you're like viewing of it course. live man and when i was in lebanon it was it was beautiful like i met people they just recognized me from higher take i was like wow like i'm i'm so happy you know like people i don't know they did and i appreciate you guys people for like highlighting that, yeah. that they're like well, like we know you well from higher take i was like see man, i told you about that yeah thing. it's see? amazing i'm like i love you <laughs> <laughs> and i love you all all i love all of the subscribers viewers yeah. Thank you a lot, Matt. Finish it, finish it One off. One more thing. Always, Always have, have a higher take, take on life. life. Thank Peace. you so, so much, guys. Peace. Thank See you, you guys. soon.